Hi, I'm Gloria Williams-Sander, curator at the Norton Simon Museum of Art. 2008 marks the 45th anniversary of the first American retrospective of French artist Marcel Duchamp. That retrospective exhibition opened in 1963 at the Pasadena Art Museum, now the Norton Simon Museum, and was organized by its visionary curator, Walter Hobbs, who was a keen advocate of the avant-garde artists active in Los Angeles during the 1950s and 60s. The Norton Simon Museum has prepared an installation of Duchamp's work from the permanent collection in celebration of this important retrospective. My guest is Dikran Tashjan. Dr. Tashjan is a professor emeritus of art history at the University of California, Irvine, a noted author, and a leading expert in the history of avant-garde art in America in the 20th century, particularly Dada and Surrealism. Marcel Duchamp's ideas and work have contributed mightily to both movements. Welcome and thank you for joining me today, Dr. Tashjan. Well, it is good to be here. Um, you know, by 1963, Duchamp is enjoying a very huge reputation in the art world. Yet, he was 76 years old when this retrospective was mounted. Can you speculate for us about why this comprehensive overview of his activity was so long in coming? Duchamp liked to travel under the radar. You know, the common view was that he had retired from art back in the 20s and devoted the rest of his life to playing chess. So you're not going to give a retrospective to a chess player. The French had no interest in him at that point. And if you think about, say, New York, which was the art center, becoming the art center internationally, the Museum of Modern Art was the only institution that would have had an exhibition, a retrospective of his of his work. And at that point, I think the museum was still fascinated by uh, Picasso and Matisse. Picasso would have been thought to have been the, the artist of the century at that point, whereas now we think to some degree that Duchamp is the artist of the century. So in that case, there is some truth that it's a huge coup. It was a huge coup for the Pasadena Art Museum to host this caliber of an exhibit because it was considered marginal. Oh, I think it was. Southern California, in in many respects, was something of a desert, (laughs) a cultural desert, I think. That was the uh, perception then. Well, then it must have been one of the personalities who was working to change that landscape was certainly Walter Hobbes. And I have read that as a young man, he visited one of Duchamp's major collectors and supporters, the Ehrensbergs, who had a home in Los Angeles when he was still a young man. He was participating in some sort of enrichment program on Saturdays. And one Saturday, they ended up over at the Ahrensburgs. Hobbes came back and said, gee, you know, I'm very interested in this Duchamp. Could you tell me something about it? And Ahrensburg became curious and took him in. I mentioned in my introduction that Duchamp's ideas and work played major roles in the Dada and Surrealist movements. But his influence didn't stop there. It's often said that Duchamp gave artists the green light to explore new possibilities. What ideas did Duchamp communicate in his art that have proven important to artists? I think that that's been true lately, say within the last 10 years, where you have uh, issues concerning uh, gender, uh, gender roles and sex and so on and so forth, specific notions of sexuality and gender that Duchamp was talking about in uh, performing 
much earlier, was say Eros c'est la vie, back in 1920, that those specific themes and motifs have cropped up again recently. Maybe I, maybe I just interrupt for one yeah, minute to sure. say that Rose Selavie was a was a female pseudonym that he used. Yes. To sign works of art and 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 to do other other projects that he conceived. Yes. Yes. In 1920, he decided that he wanted to take on another name, another persona. He wanted to get away from himself. That was, I think, one of his claims. And so he decided to take on the uh, persona of Rose C'est la Vie. And originally it was Rose with one R, Rose C'est la Vie, S-E-L-A-V-Y. Uh, and then it became Eros, a double R, so it becomes Eros, that's life, and so on. So there's a pun involved in all of this. There's an early portrait of Duchamp dressed up as Rose, which was taken by Man Ray. But I, th- I think the key to Duchamp's influence has been his view that artists have to take up ideas more than they have. And it's not just a matter of retinal art where you're just doing something to please the eye. He wanted to introduce ideas into art. And he's probably, uh, I think, the father of conceptual art. And so you can see artists taking a cue from that and taking off from there. You know, when Walter Hopps was planning this exhibit, a number of Duchamp's works were either not available for loan, some had been lost, and others had been damaged. Duchamp authorized the creation of several new pieces to take their place in this retrospective, which is very contrary to our notion of what's authentic in a work of art or its uniqueness. Can you explain a little bit about Duchamp's thinking vis-a-vis replicas and replication of his own work? Duchamp experts argue that there are real subtleties amongst and between various versions of these uh, ready-mades. But a ready-made basically was an object that Duchamp chose. And and the bottle rack, I think, is the purest example in some sense because it's a, it's an, a single object unto itself. He didn't do anything to it except to choose it and then give it a title. And the title that he chose was quite laconic. He calls it bottle rack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, this is unlike, say, the uh, first ready-made that he chose when he came to the United States. Uh, in New York, he went to a hardware store, and he vowed that he was going to pick the first object that he saw, and it was a snow shovel. And he called it in advance of a broken arm. So now we have a fanciful title for, again, an ordinary object. In one sense, Duchamp is pointing to objects that are mass-produced, that are machine-made, they're not handcrafted as such, and saying this can be a work of art. Well, how can it be a work of art? It can be a work of art because the artist claims that it's a work of art. Right, so it's a new authority from the yeah. artist. Right, The uh, yes. It, it is authentic in some sense because the artist has chosen it. The work is authentic in that regard. But how many replicas can you have? I don't know before it becomes a knockoff. You know, the evidence of the photos and newspaper clippings suggests that the local community of artists took an especially keen interest in the exhibit. They must have known about his work at that point. I mean, people like Ed Rocher, 
at Keenholz, for example. Hobbs had put together a show the year before, a small show on uh, Kurt Schritter's uh, and collage, and you find a number of local artists at that time working in collage, George Herms, uh, Wallace Berman, and so forth. They, they had to have known about Duchamp, and I think that they were excited by his uh, coming to L.A. in 63. And Hobbs certainly would have told them. I mean, Hobbs was... He was intimate with them. They were friends. They were friends, and he was showing them and so on. We have artists here on the West Coast in 1963 who really felt marginalized. And that was one of the reasons why uh, I think Hobbs took up their case, uh, wanting to, he started Ferris Gallery, for example, in what, 1960, 61, yeah, maybe yeah, a little bit earlier 60s. than that. So he could show his own, the work of his own friends. And I think that Duchamp was an inspiration to them because he was a guy who just didn't give a damn. I mean, he was indifferent uh, to the whole idea of a career. He didn't want a career, especially. He didn't, he didn't. But, he didn't, he didn't. <laughs> but, but in many respects, he was willing to go his own way. And, and that was very important. And that, exa- that was a good example for, uh, for artists, young artists on the West Coast. They realized that, hey, if I'm marginalized, that, that might well be a good thing. During the course of the exhibit, Marcel Duchamp played chess with several people. But there's the one that we, we know from, from many magazines and so forth, where he's playing chess with the nude Eve Babbitts. Do you know what the history of, of, of that performance was? She claims that it was Julian Wasser's idea and that Hobbes was rather nervous about the whole thing. Wasser photographed the two of them playing in profile, Eve on the left, nude, uh, Duchamp on the right, clothed, and I think having it with a cigar. And uh, you have in the background, you have the, uh, the large glass sort of framing the activity. Uh, Duchamp won the game, apparently, handily. Mm-hmm. And she was very nervous about playing and, and uh, embarrassed, I sure, guess. Sure, of course. That's <laughs> the disadvantage of being without, <laughs> without clothing. <laughs> you know, but I, it's not clear to me that he knew that this was going to happen. I think he just sort of, he's the quintessential California artist, you know, go with the flow. <laughs> you know, one of those things, you know, hey, it's coming my way. We, you know, we, we catch the wave. And uh, he did. I think one of the things about uh, the show is that he was of two minds about it uh, in many respects. On the one hand, he wanted to remain under the radar, but on the other hand, he liked the idea of having a retrospective and being uh, celebrated. But he didn't want the retrospective to be a conclusion. The catalog itself is set up in such a way that Hops, it was Hops's idea, but he used these note cards, Xerox note cards from uh, Robert Liebel's book. And so, and, and Duchamp would write corrections in it, you know, so it's not done. You know, you could add more cards sure, to it. Sure, sure. I've even refer- heard it referred to as a ready-made catalog in many yeah, ways, since right. he did make Xeroxes of, yes. <laughs> of the yes. LaBelle monograph. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Thanks very much, Dr. Tashjian, for joining us today and letting me ask you some questions about this really momentous exhibit. Well, thank you, Gloria, for uh, having me, and uh, I only wish we could have been here in 1963.